A familiar face is rejoining the Seahawks defense, but it might not be the name that fans were expecting. We're going to dive into Jaron Reed's return to the Seahawks on our latest installment of Locked On Seahawks. You are Locked On Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, 12. This is Corbin Smith, host of the Locked On Seahawks podcast, your daily Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On podcast network, your team every day. Glad to be joined for our Tuesday episode by my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. And a special thanks, as always, to all the 12s out there, whether you're listening in Greece, you're listening in Iowa, or you're listening in nearby Bellevue. We greatly appreciate you making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. Another crazy day of free agency. I guess we should call it pre-free agency before the real action starts tomorrow and guys can start signing contracts. The Seahawks making their second signing and a few players that will be leaving the Pacific Northwest as well. We're going to be breaking down all of those big changes with a free agent roundup and it's Transaction Tuesday. We're going to look at what the fans think the Seahawks should do next in free agency as they continue to build their roster for the 2023 season. We'll close out the show with Cody Rourke of Locked On Broncos joining us to discuss Draymond Jones and where he may fit in with the Seahawks coming from Denver to Seattle. Now for your lead story here on our Tuesday edition of Locked On Seahawks. If there's been one theme so far early on in this free agency period for the Seahawks, they clearly want to shuffle their defensive line. Pete Carroll talked about this after the season ended with a wild card loss of 49ers that they needed to get more dynamic along the defensive line. They're already working to make that happen. A very busy day that capped off with the return of Jaron Reed. Maybe not the former Seahawk that many were expecting was going to be brought back, but Rob, this makes a lot of sense when you consider that the Seahawks ran a lot of odd fronts in 2020, the last season that Jaron Reed was here, and he was able to play a number of different positions, a number of different alignments at a very high level. He's been a very fairly solid pass rusher for most of his NFL career as well, and he's still only 30 going on 31, so there should be plenty of tread left on the tires. Yeah, there's plenty of tread left on the tires. He he is a proven pass rusher, as you said. Um, obviously a player that the Seahawks know very, very well. And the, the fact that they do know him so well, I think that to me is is really where I want to come back to. It is something that uh, you know, longtime listeners to the Locked On Seahawks podcast are, are going to know this expression I've used before. He's a junkyard dog. He, he is one of those guys who is just, you know, just, just makes you tougher as a team. Uh, and I think, frankly, that he's been somebody that, that Seattle has missed up front. Um, and so when you consider um, who Seattle has uh, has lost in Shelby Harris and in Quentin Jefferson, um, at least that's what it appears at this point, um, and then who Seattle has gained in Draymond Jones and Draymond Jones, excuse me, and uh, and now and bringing back Jaron Reed. I think that you are getting younger. You're getting more physical. You're getting stouter. Um, you're getting in, in the case of both players, uh, you know, a, a more dynamic bunch uh, as far as pass rushers. Just 
Shelby Harris and, and Quentin Jefferson have some impressive statistics, but when you really watch them one on one, you know, I, I think that uh, certainly what Draymond Jones is able to do, I think stands apart in that way. And then again, the same thing with Jaron Reed and just his his length, his physicality, uh, you know, dating back all the way all the way before at Alabama, what he was able to do. It to me, it just it fits in better with what Seattle is looking to do from a schematic perspective. I think more importantly, Corbin, it fits in better with what Seattle is looking to do from just a, a, a size, physicality, grit perspective. Seattle's getting tougher again, and I think that they have to if they're going to be able to compete in, in an NFC West division that is as loaded as this one is. Yeah, and you look back at the route that Jaron Reed made to becoming a borderline Pro Bowl player. I know he never was a Pro Bowl selection, but I mean, he's one of only three defensive tackles in Seahawks franchise history that's had double-digit sacks in a season. And he did that back in 2018. He had another year, he had six and a half sacks. And you look at the sack numbers in Kansas City and Green Bay the last two years. He only had two and a half sacks each of the last two seasons. But I think that those numbers are misleading. Now, I need to go back and watch some of the tape talking to people that cover the Packers it sounds like he had a very roller coaster season last year like the rest of the defense did when he played well he was really good when he was on an off day the Packers defense did not play as well behind him but he still had 33 quarterback pressures last year which would have been third most on the Seahawks roster so he can still get after the quarterback and again he's only 30 going on 31 this is still a fairly young player and you look at the track record again 22 sacks in his first five seasons in the league with the Seahawks, 58 quarterback hits. He came into the league out of Alabama viewed as primarily an early down run stuffer, and the Seahawks would be hoping he's still going to be able to do that. That's the big reason that they're shuffling Quentin Jefferson out and they're replacing him with Jaron Reed on what looks to be a similar contract around $5 million or so a year at max. It's a similar contract structure, but a different style player. They're hoping that they can get – similar pass rushing production and better run defense. That was the one knock on Quentin Jefferson this last year. And I think that's why he's now in the free agent market as good as he was at getting after the quarterback, especially late in the year. He was one of the cogs that was responsible for the issues they had up front defending the run. And I just don't think he necessarily fit the three, four scheme that they were trying to run, especially as an interior defender, Jaron Reed can play that role. He can play nose. He can play three tech four eye. He can even play five tech and did that some in odd fronts back in 2020s last season with the Seahawks. So there's a lot to like about this move and he looks like he's still got plenty in the tank, but it's very apparent with Draymond Jones and Jaron Reed now being brought in that they are looking for more physicality. They're trying to improve their run defense and they're trying to find a way to get this defensive line shored up when it was arguably the biggest weakness on this football team last year. You know, I think that it was. Um, you know, I think at times, I mean, it was it was it was tough to watch the Seahawks on on the defensive side of the ball just because you could tell, you knew that opponents were just going to run the ball right down their throats. And you know, as physically dominant as a, as a guy like Al Woods could be, and as many big plays as we saw, you know, say Chen Nuosu make uh, for for the Seahawks. I mean, there were so many other times where you saw one of the Seahawks players that would you know basically have to. Uh, try to, you know, take over a gap, you know, and basically lose his responsibilities in in an attempt to try and make a, a big play just because they knew that if you look behind them, for the next five Seahawks were being blocked out of the play. Um, and so that you had some defenders who were basically being asked to, to try to, to make something happen 
for lack of a better word. And, and that's not really what you're looking for in a 3-4 defense. And so uh, I think that you're seeing Seattle, basically, it's going to take time to kind of rebuild the kind of players that fit in with this kind of defense. But that's exactly what I think that Seattle is doing here with these two players. Um, as excited as I am about the addition of, of Draymond Jones and, and Jaron Reed to Seattle's defensive line, Corbin, uh, you know, it, it's I'm a little sad that it looks like Rashad Penny is moving elsewhere and, and where he is going is uh, significant as well to the Philadelphia Eagles. And anybody who, you know, watched the Super Bowl knows just how, how good of a team that is, but also at the same time, how much they are lacking any type of, of a consistent home run threat at the running back position. Miles Sanders the, is a fine football player, but he, nobody really in the NFL, as we talked about many times before, has the home run run capability Rashad Penny. Now, can he stay healthy? Who knows? But I, I love that apparent agreement uh, between uh, the Philadelphia Eagles and Rashad Penny, if that is indeed going to happen. And that just makes the running back position that much bigger of a need for the Seahawks. We know that Ken Walker III is going to be the starter after being a finalist for Offensive Rookie of the Year. But Travis Homer's a free agent and as far as I can tell, Rashad Penny, he's got a one-year, $1.35 million deal that he's going to be able to sign tomorrow. He's already bid farewell to Seattle fans on social media. So he's on his way out, and he's going to the perfect situation for him to break out if he can just stay healthy. And I will say this, Rob, there's not a guy out there that's going to be rooting harder for Rashad Penny this year, as long as it's not against the Seahawks in that game at Lumen Field. Every other game. He can light it up, and I hope he gets a chance to prove what he can really do for a full season because there's just been so many bad luck injuries for him in Seattle, and we've seen the dynamic playmaking ability. It's unfortunate that it just ultimately didn't work out, but that could end up being a steal for the Eagles if he can stay healthy, and it leads the Seahawks with some significant question marks depth-wise at running back. Might be a position we might see them take a flyer on a player here, although this is a very good draft class of the position, and maybe that's where they'll add some reinforcements in the backfield coming up next it's transaction tuesday here on the locked on seahawks podcast now we're going to admit that the poll that we put up today had some options that might not be as appealing now as they were before the jaron reed news came out but we're going to look at five options for the next move for the seahawks and some fan responses where rob and i think the team may go next we're going to get to that here in a moment on our tuesday edition of locked on seahawks this episode is brought your way by FanDuel. We're past the midway point of the NBA season, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back. If your first bet doesn't win, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and three-pointers drained. I'm a big fan of betting on player props, including FanDuel's player parlay builder. For example, you can bet on Jaron Jackson Jr. to make two or more three-pointers at plus 110. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a beer payout with a same-game parlay. Don't miss out on your chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. You're listening to the Tuesday edition of Locked on Seahawks. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Glad, as always, to be joined by my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. A special thanks to all the 12s out there, as always, for making Locked on Seahawks your first listen 
five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. It's Transaction Tuesday, and the first day officially of free agency comes up tomorrow. The Seahawks have added Draymond Jones and Jaron Reed to their defensive line. No other moves to this point. Maybe there's a move being made as we record. That's typically our luck here on the Locked On Seahawks podcast. But we had our poll today, and it was free agency-based what you, the 12s, believe that the Seahawks should do next. And this is going to be evaluated a little differently than it was this morning when we posted the poll because of the Jaron Reed signing. But looking at the options here, A through E, the next big move in free agency for the Seahawks, two former Seahawks at A and B, either signing Bobby Wagner or Frank Clark, both expected to be free agents starting tomorrow, released by their respective teams. The return of Puna Ford at C, Greg Gaines coming back to the Pacific Northwest from the Rams to the Seahawks for letter D, Alshon Robinson. Alshon Robinson was another option that we had on that particular letter. E, extending Rob, and the key one is that Ryan Neal did receive a tender today, Rob, that was a right of first refusal tender or also called an original round tender since Ryan Neal was not drafted, was an undrafted player. Yes, it's less than $3 million for this next season, but if another team puts in an offer sheet and the Seahawks don't match, Ryan Neal leaves, the Seahawks get absolutely nothing in return. No compensation, so there's a lot of risk. But for this poll, we had an extension, a multi-year contract for Ryan Neal, and most of our responses were in favor, as we would assume, for number 54 returning, including real talk Seahawks saying this is a tough choice, but signing Bobby has to be a priority with the way linebacker is looking. We really need a leader there. And then extending Ryan Neal, considering we still don't have a timeline for Jamal Adams' return. Another response that we got here that maybe now would be a little different with what we know, but Gabe King says, bring Gabe, uh, Greg Gaines back to Seattle. He had a down year last year, so he shouldn't be expensive. And he did a lot of great work paired up with Aaron Donald in 2021. So he can hopefully recreate that next to Draymond Jones. And then the most popular option aside from Bobby Wagner was extending Ryan Neal. And we got a lot of responses from our listeners, including Jason Martin, who says of those options, extend Ryan Neal, slot, dime back, or free safety. He tackles in space, covers at the second level. He can attack the box. He's a Swiss Army knife. Second round value, and then mentions the possibility of moving off from Quandre Diggs or Jamal Adams after the 2023 season. So you don't want to be having a barren cabinet where you don't have a starter in waiting there, which Ryan Neal could still be that player. There's a lot of interesting responses here, Rob, and obviously the Seahawks have a lot of different directions they can go. But if you're looking at the next move, what needs to happen, where do you stand right now as we prepare for the first real day of free agency tomorrow? Well, I'll jump into that in just a moment, Corbin. I just want to reiterate what you just said, though. There were some excellent responses there in this latest set of polls. Uh, that last one on Ryan Neal really just kind of ticking off all the different boxes that Ryan Neal does at a very, very high level. I think that that um, especially kind of deserved a, a little bit of acknowledgement here because I, I, like a lot of people, I think are going to lean very heavily towards the linebacker position. Um, Bobby Wagner as a person. Person, but then again, just the position as being a huge area of concern. There, there's still some pretty some pretty good football players that are out there, Wagner being one of them, um, that, that are still available. Um, but at the same time, again, I think that there is a, a, a strong 
argument to be made about uh, the, you know the point with, with Ryan Neal and the particulars of the 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 offer that was made to him, as you said. I mean, the fact that the fact that Seattle would not receive any type of compensation if they were to lose Neal, especially considering this does not look like it's a particularly talented uh, draft class at the safety position, then then that's a little bit uh, worrisome to me. So th that might have influenced my, you know, my vote because otherwise, again, I, I think that it's the linebacker. Um, and I think that uh, I, based on what I heard you and Quandre Diggs discuss during yesterday's show, um, I, I really think that there is a reason to, to think that this might be something that could work. Um, and and I, I do think, again, that it is the biggest area of concern. And again, for any of the Lockdown Seahawks listeners who did not listen to a fantastic interview um, and conversation between Corbin and Quandre yesterday, then I, I strongly suggest that you listen to that podcast. Yeah, I suggest you listen to it just for the Bobby Wagner segment. And there's a lot of other good sure. stuff, but he's obviously been putting that recruiting cap on and he's taking credit for both the signings right now. Of course he is on social media because that's what he's been doing. He's hoping a few more signings will happen so he can go back to just roasting people on social media. But I digress. This has to be number 54 at this point because think about the situation the Seahawks are in. You've been able to shore up your defensive line. We talked about shuffling out Quentin Jefferson, Shelby Harris. You bring in Jaron Reed and Draymond Jones. You get some more athletic players. You get really solid pass rushers. Jaron Reed's traditionally been a good run defender as well. You got to feel good about what you've done there. But who's going to play behind him right now? Cody Barton is now Cody uh, is now Commander Cody off Star Wars going to Washington. <laughs> and I got to give our listeners credit for that one. That's not on me, but I had to say it on the podcast. Um, and now I want to watch Star Wars. But anyway. Um, he's in Washington, Jordan Brooks. We don't know when he's going to play. He could be out for the first half of the season coming back from this torn ACL. Maybe he's ready for week one. We don't know. So who's going to be your linebacker? Tanner Muse is a restricted free agent. Nothing's happened on that front. He's an unrestricted free agent if they don't put any tenders in on him. So there's really nobody except John Radigan at the linebacker position. Maybe uh, Vi Jones was an undrafted guy that played in three games last year. They don't have anybody on the roster right now. And this is not a deep draft class at linebacker. You look at the deals that guys are getting. Leighton Vander Esch going to the, back to the Dallas Cowboys, two years, $11 million. That pretty much takes them out of the running for Bobby Wagner. But that's not a lot of money for a starting linebacker. And most of these guys have been getting lower deals than I expected they were going to. So all of the stars seem to be aligning right now for Bobby Wagner to come back to Seattle. And he might have to swallow his pride a little bit just because of the prices that are being paid to these guys. Yeah, you were an all pro. You played at a great level last year, but you're going to be 33 in July. Teams are not going to be dishing out top dollar. If you want to come back to Seattle, you want to play with your former teammates again, you want to play for Pete Carroll again, it's going to be at a lesser amount. But I think that the Seahawks would be willing to pay that when you consider the barren wasteland that is the linebacker position for them right now. And I think they need to add two veteran linebackers. Maybe not another bigger name, but if Bobby Wagner's not in the mix, then maybe you try to go out and get Levante David, who can still play at a pretty high level. But there's not a ton of other guys left out there after today. A lot of really good linebackers got plucked today. So they're going fast. Seattle, they want Bobby Wagner. I don't know if they have to get it done in the next few days, but uh, I think that this is something that needs to get done sooner rather than later. And I think that's got to be the next big name move that they make looking at this list.
Yeah, I think that it, it would make the most sense. Uh, as we talked about, that there are still some some veteran names that are out there um, that are are very interesting. Um, Wagner being just the, the the tip of the iceberg, but there's also some rookies who are out there. You know, as I mentioned during yesterday's podcast, I was in Eugene, Oregon, and had a chance to to watch Noah Sewell go through his workout. It was a very good positional workout today. Got every ball, um, looked fast, looked fluid, looked like he was in terrific shape. And and, uh, you know, so he is among the the inside linebackers who that I do think would, would make some sense, um, you know, for Seattle and the Strackles. There's a couple of them out there. Um, and, and so I, I think that this is, again, going to be a position that I would be stunned if Seattle doesn't bring one, perhaps even two veterans, including perhaps some of their, their own guys. Uh, as, as you mentioned, you know, with a guy like a, you know, a, a Tanner Muse or possibly br- bringing them back. Uh, you know, I, I also think about John Radigan and, and where he is coming back from, from his, uh, you know, re- recovery from the, the knee surgery. I mean, I just always liked his physicality. I love the way that he moved in the, in the limited samples I, I saw of him a year ago. So to me, he might be somebody that you, you keep in mind as well. But again, I, I think that you're looking at the veteran route, but I also think that you're looking to take advantage of all of those 10 draft picks that Seattle has. And I like the linebackers. I just don't love them in the first round. I like them more in day two, day three. Yeah, this is truly a mix and match proposition because, and I mentioned this on social media today, like who is going to say no if you're able to get Bobby Wagner to come back, but you draft either Jack Campbell or Deion Henley on day two? And you put those two together and to get a healthy Jordan Brooks back at some point during the season, suddenly that looks like a pretty fun group. You've got the elder statesman that can still play in Bobby Wagner, and then you got Jordan Brooks who can still be a star linebacker. And you get one of those young guys that looks like they could be really good NFL linebackers, a little different skill sets. But my point is there are some guys on day two that could make a lot of sense to learn under Bobby Wagner, especially because Jordan Brooks, we don't know if they're going to pick up his fifth-year option coming off this injury. So who knows what his future looks like in Seattle. They would like to bring him back, but we don't know at this point. So I still think linebacker is head and shoulders now above everything else. I think Puna Ford's chances of coming back now are slim to none with the moves that have been made by the Seahawks. Great games maybe they could look at because they still have some depth concerns there, but I think they're going to be looking at other positions. And extending Ryan Neal would probably be number two on my list here. And I actually would have Frank Clark dead last on here because the money that's required. They're not going to be able to do that. I think he ends up either back in Kansas City or with another contender that's got a little more cap space. But it seems like it's a little bit redundant. You got Daryl Taylor, who's got pretty similar skill set, Uchenna Nuosu. Um, you've got Boy Mafe. I just don't know the fits there necessarily in this scheme for the money for a guy that's sack numbers in the regular season at least have gone down the last couple of years. So that would actually be dead last on my list. But Ryan Neal with your insurance policy that you need at safety, I think getting an extension to make sure that you don't lose him is going to be something that John Schneider is going to be trying to get done here in the next few days to prevent another team from sneaking in and getting an offer sheet in. And I guess we'll see what happens. But the point is the Seahawks have options. Linebackers should be option number one, two, and three right now, though, because, again, it's a barren wasteland back there. They need to get a proven veteran to bring in there at least one, maybe two, and then look at getting a young guy in the draft to go with it. That is a position that is now the biggest area of concern on defense for the Seahawks. Coming up next, we're going to be joined by Cody Rourke of Locked On Broncos, and he's going to be sharing some intel on the big fish that the Seahawks reeled in yesterday in free agency. Draymond Jones, what should Seahawks fans expect from him? Where does he fit in scheme-wise? 
and much more really fun interview coming up next year on our Tuesday edition of Locked On Seahawks. This episode is brought your way by Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious treat but don't want all the fat and calories, then you got to try a Built Bar. We just got through the holidays, and I know my goal is to eat a little healthier this year. If you're like me, where you want to eat healthier but you don't want to compromise taste, then you've got to try Built Bars where healthy is actually tasty. It's perfect for your New Year's resolution. And what makes Built Bar so good is they're covered in 100% real chocolate and come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and coconut almond. I don't know how they do it, but they continue to make amazing protein bars that taste like candy bars and are actually healthy. With only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein. And the best part, you now don't have to wait around for a box to get shipped to your house. You can head over to Walmart or Sam's Club if you're having an itch for a Built Bar. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today. Walk to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can get a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. And if you're close to Sam's Club and you want a bigger box, go grab yourself a 13-bar box with their hit flavors such as brownie batter and churro. You can thank me later. Welcome back to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, Tuesday edition. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Special thanks to all the 12s out there, as always, for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. The Seahawks made an unexpected splash yesterday, signing Draymond Jones from the Denver Broncos, a 51 plus million dollar deal for three years. Not the type of deal that John Schneider normally does at the beginning of free agency. And we have to find out a little bit more about Seattle's new weapon along the defensive line. So to help us out, Cody Rourke of Locked On Broncos joining the show. How are you, Cody? Glad to have you on. I'm good, Corbin. How are you doing, man? I uh, Free agency, it, it's always crazy, right? If it's not with the teams that we cover, it's with the, just the NFL in general. This has already been a wild free agency period. Draymond Jones is one of the top in-house free agents for the Denver Broncos, and we were waiting and seeing, hey, what are they going to do? Are they going to bring it back? What's he going to command on the market? Well, they decided they were going to move on because the move happened uh, you know, to bring in Zach Allen of the Arizona Cardinals before Draymond's decision even happened. So maybe Denver had a hunch that maybe Draymond wasn't coming back, uh, but this is a tremendous get, Corbin, for the Seattle Seahawks and their defense. Yeah, let's talk about why this is a tremendous get, because this might not be a player that Seahawks fans necessarily know a lot about since the Broncos play in the AFC. They did get to see him last year in the season opener, so Seahawks fans, you can go back and watch that game, might be able to see where Draymond Jones uh, impacted that game. But where do you see him helping the Seattle Seahawks? You mentioned this being a big-time get, but what is he bringing to the table for the Seahawks coming over for a defensive line that, quite frankly, was pretty bad last year? And there's a reason they're bulldozing it this offseason. Oh, you're going to get a guy who is tough. Like, we, we talk about the prototypical, you know, uh, hard hat, lunch pail, blue-collar work guy. Like, this is Draymond Jones. He's a tough son of a gun, too. Uh, this is a guy throughout his career in Denver, you know, he's He's dealt with some injuries here and there. He's kind of played through it, though. You know, he had a hip injury last year. That I think he kind of made a business decision, you know, after uh, 13 games. Like, you know what? I got to get this hip right. It's bothering me. It was like a two- to six-week recovery period. No surgery. But because free agency was coming up, Denver put him on IR. It was a mutual, you know, business decision. You don't want to make it worse in the event he comes back. And you also don't want to make it worse in the event he goes elsewhere. So for Draymond, I mean, you can line him up anywhere. He can play your five tech for you on uh, the defensive end position. You can even line him up 
and a three technique. You can line him up as a defensive tackle. Denver and Ejiro Evro last year, they were very creative with Draymond Jones. There were times where they would stunt him and that he would crash across the face towards the interior, you know, really wherever the guards were. They moved him around to be able to play on the left side, the right side. He has versatility to play defensive end, defensive tackle, and it's really predicated off of what do the Seattle Seahawks envision for their defensive scheme? What do they want the most, right? And I imagine pressure on opposing quarterbacks is always a big element for them there. He gives you that dynamic on the interior now last year for the Broncos. He had six and a half sacks in just 13 games. Uh, For him, I, I think it's also about not only is he good on his own, but Man, if if Seattle has good pieces around him, that bodes even well for them because Draymond's a guy that will command attention. He'll command double teams from centers and guards, tackles and guards. They may even bring a fullback out to help out with him there. He is an impact player there. He had 16 quarterback pressures last season. And I tell you, what, you're going to get some good sound bites from when, you know, he talks about an opponent. He's all about football. Uh, He's a great dude. Going to miss him in the Broncos locker room. You're going to get to enjoy getting to know Draymond a little bit more. But he's he's a great run stopper for the Seattle Seahawks. He'll be that for them. And he'll also be a guy who will get after the quarterback for you guys. And that's an interesting thing that you just finished with there. Because, again, we look at pro football focus in places like this. There's subjectivity. And Draymond Jones has never scored well as a run defender. But I will say this, going back and watching a few games, I didn't see that this past season. I did not see a guy that was necessarily vulnerable against the run or was a hindrance against the run. So what does he bring to the table that is going to help the Seahawks from that perspective? Because they were god-awful defending the run last year. That was the big Achilles heel for this football team. They gave up like 8,000 yards to Josh Jacobs when the Raiders came to Lumen Field. Everybody did. They just have not been able to stop the run, and their interior line was the biggest problem in that aspect. So going against those grades that we see from these places – What do you see from him that makes him a better run defender maybe than what's advertised? Well, when he plays at defensive end, and and look, I – my whole thought process on grades from some of these sites is these guys have no idea what these players' assignments are from their coaches. You know, that's always something I think that gets lost in the conversation. But for Draymond, when he plays defensive end – He's really good at keeping contained. You know, a lot of the times, well, it depends on the system that you run, right? Where well, they were running the Vic Fangio look that every team, every team in the NFL seemingly runs now, but primarily for him, outside backer had the outside contained, right? You you play an option team, the outside linebacker has pitch man, you know, defensive end will have quarterback. Draymond is good at playing his assignment. And when you play him a little bit on the interior, he's going to plug. If he's playing the C gap, he's going to plug it. And it's not necessarily about getting in the backfield all the time and disrupting and making a tackle for a loss behind the line of scrimmage. He's very good at that. I will add that. But for him, it's about doing your job, right? If you can step into your gap and you can clog a lane where an opposing offense is trying to run, you allow everybody to squeeze on the outside, your edge rushers, your your nickels, if you're playing them, you allow them to rally. Draymond is very, very good at that. And before I think the Denver Broncos experienced some injuries last season, specifically with Randy Gregory in week four, Denver through the first several weeks of the season was one of the top run defenses in the NFL injuries impacted that. And then obviously they traded away Bradley Chubb at the NFL trade deadline. And you didn't get to see as much pressure from the outside, but Draymond was still a guy creating that. So the worst case scenario, which is actually a really good thing here, he clogs a gap for you, and then it's going to force a running back or an offensive player in the run game to try to bounce it elsewhere, and hopefully you have guys that can clean it up then. 
After seeing gaps that were the size of semi-trucks week in, week out last year, just having a guy that can plug gaps, that sounds like a positive for the Seahawks. And if he could do some of those other things, actually making tackles for loss, containing, playing multiple spots along the line, that's going to be invaluable to the Seahawks. You've had a chance to watch Draymond Jones grow from a rookie to now being a free agent, one of the top free agent signees, Seattle bringing him in. What's the next step for him? He's 26 years old. Where does he need to grow to really reach his potential in Seattle? You know, I would say it's just, you know, durability, stay healthy. You know, I'd say in each of his seasons so far in the NFL, he's he's had an injury or two that has sidelined him for some time. Uh, he's like I said, he'll play through it. That's the thing for him. You know, when you're playing on a rookie contract, you want to be smart with everything. Once you get paid, it's not like you take the, you know, your foot off the gas a little bit, but it's about being more aware. It's protecting yourself. Now he's obviously got some good guaranteed money with the Seattle deal here for him. I would say for him, just durability, stay healthy, keep climbing ladder. He can continue to evolve, right? He, I don't think he's reached his full potential just yet, which is a scary thing because after the Broncos drafted him in 2019, I thought to myself, okay, this guy could be the steal of the draft for Denver in this 2019 draft class. He ended up being that, and he really flourished in Vic Fangio's defense. I know Seattle last year with Sean Desai were running a little similar scheme that Vic runs. I'll be very intrigued to see how their new defensive coordinator kind of pieces things together with a guy like Draymond. And I imagine there's going to be some other moves that Seattle maybe makes, uh, you know, whether it be edge rusher, whether it be, you know, another defensive lineman in the NFL draft, whether it be quarterback. We'll see how things go. I'm curious to uh, to watch from afar, Corbin. I can tell you right now, the Seahawks are not done making moves along that defensive line. They're doing a lot of changes on that front line, and this is going to be the one that everybody's going to be watching to see where Draymond Jones fits in in this Fangio-style defense, at least a Fangio-influenced defense they're running in Seattle. Greatly appreciate the insight on Jones, Cody, and enjoy the rest of free agency. I know that you are a very busy man. The Broncos have been making a lot of moves. Yeah, they are. We'll see how things play out, my friend. And uh, as always, you know, good luck to your team this upcoming season. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow Rob at Rob Rang as well. Make sure to check out Locked On Seahawks, where we have podcasts on all major podcast platforms, and we're streaming five days a week on YouTube. Coming up tomorrow, we'll have another updated free agent roundup. Maybe a few more moves coming for the Seahawks as they continue to build their roster for the 2023 season. And we'll take a look at some of the new coaches that are officially on Pete Carroll's staff for the upcoming season. Enjoy the rest of your evening. Thanks for listening. Go Hawks.